Hey, everybody. We've had huge technical difficulties. Is Mars in retrograde? We've had, oh no, now Melissa's gone. No. <laughs> We've had huge techie issues um, with my camera. It's my fault. I'm the problem child. To not get my camera going. So welcome. We're gonna we're gonna really buzz through this because we we um, had so many problems and we're starting late. So um, yeah. So we're gonna yeah. get started. Welcome to Fempreneur True Confessions. Thank you for showing up. Real quick, I'm Laura Brown. I'm the owner of ODA Virtual Assistant. Um, and we help small businesses um, help with their staffing and help them grow and really empower them in delegation and work and strategy. Yep. And I'm Angelique and uh, I head Lady Powerhouse, Lady Powerhouse, Powerhouse Solutions. I'm trying to talk too fast. Uh, Lady Powerhouse Solutions is a heart-centered uh, approach to offering projects and event management for women entrepreneurs on fire, lighten up their world with their passion, their drive, they're achieving their missions, and we help them do that in the most authentic way possible. Wonderful. And together, we are Fempreneur True Confessions podcast. And our mission is to empower women in business and life to live authentically and support each other instead of competing with each other. So to model this, we authentic, authentically through our business and personal relationships to empower other women to do the same. Right. So really, this podcast is about normalizing struggle because it is normal to struggle. And I think one thing we failed to mention in the past, and I want to bring it up now, is be, is that this that's how this podcast came about, is we're looking for ways to support each other and we're, we're not finding other people quote unquote, struggling. We're not finding other female entrepreneurs going, oh man, I really struggle with this. And this is how I got through it. Or this is how I completely failed and I had to get help or whatever. So we're trying to normalize what it looks like when women succeeded at supporting each other, sharing, you know, those struggles, building up each other um, and, you know, just creating that sisterhood that believes in abundance mindset, sharing our struggles, helping each other rise to our highest potential. Exactly. Wonderful. All right. So everyone, I would love to introduce you here. We have um, Melissa Whiteford St. Clair, and she is a strategic partner for women to help them grow personally and professionally, empowering amazing women and solopreneurs by helping them get better organized through um, Paper Chaser Biz as a professional virtual assistant and through writing books and tools to build um, advocates for social justice through white girl advocacy. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I was so happy when you said we were going to buzz right along. So (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to work in that B thing eventually, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, one of the topics that Melissa, that you wanted to talk about was this journey from employee to entrepreneur. So um, let's get to it. Tell us about the struggle that that brought you to that decision or, or whatever, whatever that was. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to share. So I am a military spouse. My husband is a United States Marine Corps uh, retired veteran. And service. Oh, thank you for your support. Uh, so knowing that, 
Um, my resume was going to look different because I could not sustain employment in one place for 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to thrive professionally alongside my service member and knew I would be moving. And um, I was working uh, at the local chamber and, you know, inspired by the entrepreneurs I was surrounded by. And somehow the virtual assistant industry came across my radar and I thought, hmm, I could do that. I could take my executive assistant, my business management and try to, you know, see what the technology is like around that. Uh, so I did. And I, I took a big leap and left the chamber and became a member instead of an employee. Um, and started working with an agency that I was already working with, a nonprofit that um, revolved around community health, which is important uh, to me. And so they took a big leap because it was a new concept back in 2006 and before, you know, how to use workers remotely. Um, so I ended up working with that organization until it dissolved in, gosh, 2014 or something. So almost like eight, 10 years working with them. So. Oh. So the struggle sounds like it was like creating this consistency across your quote unquote work experience. Absolutely. Right? Yes. So yeah, wanting so the consistent income and uh, the freedom and the flexibility though, to be able to move around uh, with my you know, profession. So it became an ideal portable career. Um, and I hear my cat coming to deliver a little toy. In the we embrace the animals on this oh show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love it. Um, so I think that there are probably some other women, there's plenty of military wives out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say thank you for your service. And Melissa, not just your husband, but you, because my mom was in military. My stepdad was in the military. And, and you know, when he retired, they also gave her, um, you know, commendation and award and, and you know, appreciation because yeah. she did support him um, and what he did. And <laughs> she's insistent. <laughs> Sorry, oh, she, she, she's bringing reinforcements. So I just got a little red mouse. Yeah, <laughs> That's hilarious. Does she just want to be on camera? Because we're cool uh, with that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so Melissa, but, uh, with that, did you find that support was much harder because this wasn't a virtual wasn't really a thing back then? You know, most women were going into the workforce and stuff. So did you find it even harder to find that kind of support you needed? I did. So, you know, back then there were no uh, exclusive and specific training programs to become a virtual assistant, which we know that there are wonderful opportunities for that today. Uh, so I really, really had to lean on my professional network and um, the Small Business Center at Coastal Carolina Community College, where we were stationed when I started my business, was just the best support um, for small business owners, helping from contemplation to, you know, ribbon cutting uh, and, you know, through the lifespan of your business for free. Um, so 
really super helpful in you know learning all the things that you need to become an entrepreneur and, and start your own business and then think about moving your business every time you relocate on new orders. So yes, that's mm-hmm. another compounded struggle. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so go ahead, Laura. No, I was just saying it's wonderful that you were able to find that support, but realizing that, you know, the, this online version of work has been around for a lot longer than most people really think about. You know, everyone mm-hmm. thinks COVID and that was the big push, obviously, but knowing that there are um, pioneers long before this that have been working through all the challenges of this long before this time. Um, is really, you know, it, it makes you help, it helps understand um, why this was a much easier transition when COVID hit and, and could be accomplished in a much better way. So, and that's a really Absolutely. good point because I remember, and I think it was, I'd have to go back and look at my LinkedIn profile, honestly, but I started quote unquote what we call telecommuting mm-hmm. back in the 90s, mm-hmm. working from home part of the time. And um, yeah, so as soon as the internet came online, there were people who were in that technology space that were already like, okay, we now we can do this, this and this. So Mm -hmm. I've been working at online um, and as a independent contractor since the 90s. Um, So, Melissa, talk about when what once you get your business up and running you're a small business yourself mm-hmm. so right. what kind of struggles did you have and where did you find the support that you needed so in in the startup again leaning on the small business center um and and my professional network because really the startup is the same a lot of the elements are the same the basics are the same Um, But just going to each of those at the time, places like uh, the Register of Deeds uh, to get your business name and then moving over to the tax office to, you know, present your business license and things like that. So all of that had to be done kind of legwork, literally legwork, instead of processing everything online. So just doing the due diligence um, and... I created uh, early on a checklist uh, so it would be easier for other military spouses that were coming into my area to know what the requirements would be or the steps would be for uh, setting up a small business and an online business in the area. So becoming an advocate through like the National Military Spouse Network, which I'm still active in to... um, you know, bring that focus even politically on military spouse employment and entrepreneurship. So, mm-hmm. awesome! I love that. Um, I want to give us plenty of time to talk about your one of your new projects, right? So, when yes. did you and and what was the catalyst that that prompted you to start White Girl Advocacy? Oh golly! So the catalyst uh, was George Floyd. And I will call his name boldly uh, because his murder happened on my wedding anniversary. So now we are forever tied. uh, And his murder started me on a path uh, of getting educated as a white woman 
not knowing the depth of racism and systemic racism. Uh, and I'm still learning, still on that journey, uh, but what a journey it has been. So. Cool, cool. And so, Laura, I would love for you to share what we were talking about. You know, you guys, we always talk before we go live, right? Okay, you know this. There's stuff going on in the green. There's always stuff going on in the green room. Um, but talk a little bit about uh, your your response and reaction when you saw that yeah. post. So for me, a little bit of background. I, um, I happen to come from um a world where culture and integration and mixing and stuff like that was just second nature to us i grew up in a pretty much an all-black community um i was raised by several very strong independent black women um i'm now involved in a you know a mixed family um so for me the black community was more comfortable and more of what I knew more so than in the white community, which is very strange. It was kind of flipped. And as a Jewish woman, it just, there was a whole bunch of factors to that. Um, so when I initially saw that, I was like, hmm, I wonder how that gets taken. Because for me, where I would think, uh, what, what is it we're advocating for white women? You know, because I'm like, there's a lot there in the privilege sense. Um, already. So um, when Melissa and I were talking and she explained where it came from, it was 100% on. And I do preface this with, I do know what path and what uh, Melissa's been doing all this time and how she truly was coming from the heart with it and what it meant. Um, but it's very interesting seeing it from two different worlds because, you know, I've yeah. always, you know, when you're doing the work and you come from one area and you're learning something, is much different from what if you grew up in the middle of seeing all of that and already knew it was a problem. So um, it, it was definitely very different. So I was super curious on her take and how she was bringing that around and how strategic that was. And it's pretty amazing. So I'm going to let you explain. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate that it's thought provoking. It's intentional. And that's my word for this year. So um, white girl advocacy is actually about building a community of advocates of, well, of white women for social justice. So sharing what I'm learning, what wasn't taught to me in school um, about our collective history of this nation um, with other white women to empower them and educate them and build advocates and just be better neighbors, be better people um, because we're all in this together and uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from with all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. I got chills. I thought, it makes well, me I thought it was interesting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting um, because I, well, I too know you, Melissa, and know where you're coming from. So I, sorry, my calendar's talking to me, but, and I forgot to turn it off. So, um, when I read that, it, I, I didn't miss a beat. I'm like, oh, all right, you know, um, because I think in this, also, I think in this climate, this right now, 
when me as a white woman sees that my instinct, my, my go-to reaction is, oh, I want to help advocate for, um, you know, as a white woman. So Mm -hmm. I immediately connected with that, but there Mm -hmm. are going to be plenty. And we talked about this earlier, people who are going to be like, oh, she's advocating for white women. Nobody's advocating for us. Right. Not that nobody is, but, um, because there's plenty of feminist groups out there and women that need and um, marginalized groups that need to be advocated for. So I'm totally not dissing that, but it's, it, it was kind of like, Oh, is that kind of like reverse psychology? Are we trying to get them to click? Um, Because they are interested in advocating for white women so that we can educate them that there's also another group that we need to advocate for. And, and I think, I don't know about you, but I found that the correlation between the the feminist movement and the women's right to vote and the the abolition of the slavery and i don't know how much and we can't get into it because there's just not enough time but um the similarities and also the incongruity between because women i don't know how much history you know and i could be not getting all of this right either. So anyone who's listening to this, if I get anything wrong, feel free to call me out. But there was this um, concept or this, what's the word I'm looking for? This background, this idea that if we gave Blacks, back then that's how it was said, the right to vote or colored or whatever, then before women got the right to vote, that that was somehow going to adversely affect women's rights. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, a, there was a there was a a thing about when it was the women's movement as a whole, um, but black women were kind of left out of that in a way because they also know bringing them in as a whole um, would make that struggle much harder. So it became one of those, let's get our rights for women and not focus on the race factor of it. And then we'll just deal with the race factor in it kind of on the back end, right? Um, Without the acknowledgement at first, that this 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 needed to be women as a whole. This needed to be understood that this was all nationalities and um, of women, and that they were pulling together. But there was there was still that separation, especially in our man led world, where well, we're really looking at white women. So let's have that yeah. discussion. And they were leaving out everybody else. And that was very hard because, again, we're back at that same point where, yes, it it happened and you got it as a whole, but it still was only recognized the way it was and and more as a white as for white women. So that was very difficult in the black community as well, because they're like, now we all have these rights. So now this is how it should be. But there still wasn't the equality and there wasn't the systematic racism coming out of it. Um, It wasn't getting rid of it. It was still happening in it. So that was kind of it was 
it could be a very sour point in that history, unfortunately, because it didn't always work in the favor of all the other nationalities as it was going through. Right. Yes. And I've just been writing a course curriculum. And so in doing my research on the NAACP, that organization has been around for 113 years. Wow. So the the struggle continues when we talk <laughs> about struggle. Uh, and, you know, the more people we can have with better understanding and better compassion, exercising their empathy muscles, um, and maybe lifting a finger to do something about it uh, along the way, then, you know, we all come out better. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I just Googled um, this because I, I didn't remember the exact date. So women, the women's right to vote um, was ratified in August 1920. Mm -hmm. So the NAACP has been around longer Mm -hmm. than that. Mm -hmm. So it predates women's right to vote. Mm -hmm. And yet white women got the right to vote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that, Melissa. Mm -hmm. I mean, what other, what other white, <laughs> I hate to call it white advocacy because it's not white advocacy, right. but mm -hmm. being an advocate as a white person. Um, yes for whatever marginalized group that we, you know, or all of them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What other types of things come up for you? Um, well, and it's interesting. I listened to another podcast yesterday where there was um, an activism coach. So I'm um, Kari Williams. She guides people who are interested in activism um, through kind of finding their way, because there is so much, you know, environmental, healthcare, voters' mm -hmm. rights, right. color lines, uh, you know, everything. Um, so she helps people find their way and, you know, what's good for their personality. If they're that out front person that, you know, is up on a box on the street corner, or if they're more behind the scenes person, you know, stuffing envelopes, writing thank you letters to donors for the organization. So it takes everyone. Um, and, you know, just as the collective combining forces to get things done for the betterment of everyone. Um, yeah, kumbaya, that is that. So I'm blowing out my birthday candles every time. Woo, that, that's it, right? <laughs> that's awesome. And so you said Corey Williams? Um, it, um, Kari, um, Kari Williams, O-M-K-A-R-I. Mm -hmm. Spell yeah. it again since I talked over you. That's okay. O-M-K-A-R-I. And she even has a quiz. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. We'll try and find that and add it to the yeah. show notes. Um, yeah. so thanks for Pretty adding cool. that. Well, you know, for bringing that up, that's awesome that somebody does that. Yeah. advocacy coaching. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it so, makes sense, because some people really want to be involved, but you're right. Their personality is that. I'm a highly mm -hmm. outspoken, very mouthy kind of person where being out front for something like that, I have no problem with. Mm -hmm. But as a person, I'm very reserved and back behind the scenes and stuff and a lot of other things. So it really just depends on where you are 
in in your heart where that comes to things. And so many people behind the scenes are so necessary. Absolutely. Lending that time and talent, yes, and and the true heart for sure. Yep. So much of what we do in our profession, the virtual assistant, you know, virtual area is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember even when we were in corporate, even when I was in corporate, and I know Laura, you've been in corporate too, that <laughs> the the first place they want to cut the budget is with their administrative support. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet they want things to continue to work smoothly and operate smoothly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that doesn't always yeah. happen. And then they, you know, and then forcing their leaders to become more overwhelmed with many many hats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, struggle. <laughs> yeah, the struggle's real, right? Mm-hmm. So, Melissa, that, oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so you bring that up with their leaders, like you were discussing that, um, and in in corporate, you know, where there's a movement now towards inclusion and work culture and how that looks. Um, I think the idea of leaders in corporate ha- is definitely on the change as well. Um, realizing that managers weren't necessarily your leaders. They're they're the ones that have to keep everybody kind of in line, but your leaders were the ones that knew everyone, that knew how to handle every different personality in a group or a team. And I think with all the different things and movements coming in, I think that's a big one coming in, into corporate is a, is a huge change about what leadership really looks Mm. like in all of this too so yeah i agree yes melissa we're about out of time so i want to give you an opportunity to um if there's one message you want to get through today um and it doesn't have to be about the white girl advocacy it can be about something in your business that you're excited about but um what what what's one thing you want to make sure that we talked about today Oh, and wow. I'm springing oh. this on her, so yes. she's going to have oh. to think really quickly on her feet. We didn't <laughs> talk about this before. <laughs> so I think um, the message today is being present, um, being yourself, being a part of the greater good, uh, to be a better neighbor, a better community member, better business owner, um, and just a better person. Uh, to, you know, get by in the day to day. Yeah. I love it. I love that being a better person. Cause that just really is what it's about. Yep. Wonderful. Awesome. All, All right, right, Laura, hit it. Ha. <laughs> so <laughs> Melissa is providing us with some great freebies and, and, and information. And it's really wonderful that she is offering this. So, um, a business freebie is a decision-making guide. Um, get your small business humming. And we will put the link to that um, guide into the show notes, as well as um, a quiz that she has for us. Am I a racist? And I suggest that everybody go in and take that quiz. Yeah. Um, you might surprise yourself. And I know we all have thoughts about who we are and what we don't want to be or maybe want to be, but I think that is, it's informative and it's important to know where you're starting from. So I'm yeah, super I took excited. one of those somewhere else once before. And I was like, yeah, I want to take this because I know I'm yeah. not a racist. 
Yeah, now, and don't be intimidated by it. Uh, you yeah. know, it's it's really more introspective. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we all need I mean, a starting you point. You got to know where you're starting to know where you're going. Yeah. So. So normally we have the guests introduce the next guest. But the next guest is me, Laura. Yes. Next week, we're going to talk about our struggles because we haven't done that yet. We haven't mm -hmm. talked about what kind of brought us to creating the podcast and, 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 and all that jazz. So um, that's what we're going to do next week. So Melissa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so sorry we had all these technical issues and we didn't get more time with you. Um, We'll but definitely you have so you much. on again. So yes, can... thank you so much for being here. <laughs> and um, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for, um, it looks like we've had a couple people pop in and out watching the live. So thanks for being here live. Um, and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel um, and uh, click that notifications button so that you, you know when we go live. And um, we will see you guys next week. All right. Great show. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. How do I stop the live? I always forget how to do this. <laughs> Shh, don't laugh at me. This is going to be the blooper reel for the end of this one. Somebody is still watching it and they're laughing their butts off at us right now. So how do I so we can stop the live? I have no idea. I really don't. So I'm just going to end the stream. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye, everyone.